Hi everyone, this is Pete Barusik and I want to welcome you to this edition of the Weathered Athlete Podcast, a place for us to honor those athletes that refuse to go quietly in the night. As a weathering triathlete and a physical therapist, I will spend my time with those athletes that continue to make the necessary repairs and continue to move forward. Along with spending time with these remarkable individuals, some of my discussions will include talking to the coaches and healthcare professionals that work to help these weathered athletes succeed. My goal is to determine what sets these individuals apart from the rest of society. After the discussion is over, I encourage you to stick around to hear a breakdown from a physical therapist's perspective of how this weathering athlete is able to keep moving forward. Don't forget to hit subscribe, leave a comment, and share with your friends. Today I'm honored to have physical therapist Becca Georgery with me for mile number three. She is an associate professor at the University of South Dakota. She is the creator of the Senior Athlete Fitness Exam, which is used at the National Senior Games. Since 2011, she and her team have tested approximately 4,000 participants. She discusses her early misconceptions about these aging athletes. We review aspects of the test and how she is using the data to gain insight into what sets these individuals apart from other community-dwelling adults. For those in search of the Fountain of Youth, I encourage you to take the time to listen to the steps she has incorporated into her life in an effort to stay active and not go quietly into the night. I hope you enjoy. Hi, Pete. Hey, Becca. How are you doing? Good. I thank you so much for taking time just to talk with me a little bit today. Yeah. Since we really haven't had a lot of time to talk before today, if you don't mind telling me a few things about yourself. Right. So um, I'm a physical therapist. I um, got my doctor of physical therapy from Duke University back in 2002. So I've been a PT for about 18 years. And I teach at the University of South Dakota. I've been there for about 12 years now. And um, I'm, I'm in South Dakota. I say I'm a Minnesotan, <laughs> but... Um, I live in South Dakota. I married a South Dakotan, and I've got a middle schooler and a high schooler. Okay. So stay busy with them. That's good. Did you play any sports growing up? Um, I, I I like to say I'm more. I I was in speech and band, marching band. Um, I tried some things. I ultimately um, uh, played soccer a little bit in high school. Ran a little bit of cross country. Did a little bit of swimming. None of it very well. <laughs> hey, band is actually work. I, my youngest son was in marching band when he was in ninth grade. And especially here in North Carolina, it's in the 90s. They're out there marching around. He was exhausted when he came home. So it's definitely work. Oh, gosh, work. yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> I played the tuba for a little while, and that's like weightlifting and cardio together. Yeah. So it's definitely <clears throat> yeah. work. It counts. It counts as athletic performance. <laughs> okay, perfect. So um, other than teaching, what other settings have you been in? Um, so I mostly was, I, I'll call it sort of rural general, but I was in an outpatient orthopedic clinic, um, primarily my um, first two positions before I moved into academia. Now I still do that sort of outpatient ortho um, at times, but primarily we have, a, we have a student learning clinic. And so I've integrated that into some of my classes. So we see older adults in the spring and we see individuals with neurological um, diagnoses in the fall. So I, I supervise and sort of coordinate that and let the students do the work yeah. mostly, but um, it takes a lot of supervision and guidance. Yeah, but that's good though. I think the hands-on experience is always an important part then, you know. Oh, they love it. It's yeah. so good. Yeah, yeah, that's that's good. So how'd you become involved with the senior games? So <laughs> my involvement, I like this story just because it's one of those um, examples of why 
you should say yes sometimes or mm -hmm. what happens if you say yes sometimes. But my um, state organization, the South Dakota Physical Therapy Association, sent out an email or communication that said, man, we should have someone at the South Dakota Senior Games, like representing PT and promoting PT. And I said, well, I'll go. I could bring some students. And they were like, yeah, do, take like a fitness screen for, for aging athletes and like do that with them. And so I looked and I was studying for my GCS at the time and I dug through everything and I was like, gosh, there's nothing. So I kind of like made something up and we went um, and and it was terrible. <laughs> it didn't go well at all. We called it the elderly fitness screen and um, they really, um, well, no one, no one participated. <laughs> they walked right past <laughs> us in our sign for the elderly fitness screen. I think we might've screened like a grounds person for the park <laughs> that we were in. Um, we had driven three hours and I, why we went back the next year, I, I don't know, but I, um, I, I thought like, we could maybe do this better. So we changed the name and, and, um, we, we tweaked the screen a little bit and all of a sudden we were popular there as soon as we got a couple of people in okay. and they realized what we were doing, then, then they loved it. And, um, and then I called the, the national senior games to see, um, if I should, change what I was doing to match what they were doing. And it turns out they, they weren't doing anything. <laughs> so um, my relationship with them sort of formed that way. That's good. Yeah, because there's nothing there. Well, there wasn't. So now, um, so since then, that was 2011. Since then, I've, um, I've gone to every one of their summer competitions, which is biennial. So every other summer, mm -hmm. and have taken the safe, the screen that we created, and have sort of modified and um, I've been doing that ever since with them. Nice. So did you have any misconceptions about the physical fitness of senior game participants prior to getting involved? Um, yeah. <laughs> yes. I think, <laughs> I think everyone does. And, and I'll, when, I, when I work with so many people that, um, that I engage in this, um, this adventure of testing senior athletes and I, I went with my own, of course, I, I look back and say, I called that the elderly fitness screen. What was I thinking? Right. And you walk, watch the people walk past you and they are so fit and so healthy. Um, the word elderly doesn't really come into your mind. Yeah. Um, so they are different and every, like every conception I had of them was wrong probably from the beginning. And now, um, certainly I understand the population more, but it's fun to watch other people. So we're in their eyes open when they engage in, in the safe with me. Yeah. It's interesting, you know, with the, even the title of the senior games, like I mentioned it to friends of mine that were in the age group, I just turned 50. So I actually, I could qualify to participate in the games. And uh -huh. I found out the first year when I was involved, just timing the running events that I'd be lucky. I can place in the 75 and above age group because these athletes are, they may be seniors, but boy, are they talented and they are, there's some exceptional individuals involved in there. And I think people don't realize that. Oh yeah. And, and the name, the name is always hard, right? Yeah. Senior games and people don't want to be designated a senior. And, um, it's good when you're in high school, but it's bad when you're over 50, I guess. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, the competition there, I, I see a lot of, you know, I, I see a lot of athletes when I'm at nationals testing them and, um, it's a lot of, I think, the sort of 50 and 60-year-olds, particularly those in the 50-year-old age category, and it's their first games. 
And sometimes they're just a little bit discouraged, right? Because they're like, I thought it was going to come in here to this elderly <laughs> games, you know, and sweep it because I run every day. And that, it takes more than that. There are a lot of really great athletes. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing to see those 80 plus athletes out there still doing what they do. So it, it's, I, I, I love the whole premise of the game. So, um, yes. so has the test changed from early years? Right. So it's yeah. the senior athlete fitness exam is what we ended up calling it or the uh -huh. safe. And it has changed. Um, we've now we've tested almost 4,000 athletes and we realized after the first 250 that we had some things in there that were too easy and, and one that was too hard. So we took out a functional reach that was in there, sort of a battery of tests. Mm -hmm. So common tests that physical therapists are, are used to and functional reach is just far too easy. Everyone reached way past, you know, and it be pretty soon it becomes, you know, a, a irrelevant test. And so we took that out. Um, we took out um, single leg balance with eyes open. It took us a long time to decide that that is something we should take out, but it just wasn't predictive. Um, in the general population, somebody being able to stand on one foot for 30 seconds is very useful information. Yeah. But uh, senior athletes, they, they demand more um, okay. of themselves. And so we, we found that that really wasn't predictive of whether they were going to fall or um, whether their balance was really where it needed to be for their activity level. Okay. Before yeah. we actually get into the test, who's actually doing the testing? Right. So um, uh, it's usually me and uh, students that I bring with me. And depending on where we are, we try to collaborate with the PTs and the PT schools that we're close to. So the senior games moves around. So um, we tap those PT schools and um, PT programs. So we'll get volunteer physical therapists. We'll get other physical therapy students. And I'll bring my own students typically as well. So it takes a, it takes a team, especially when we're, we're at nationals with the abundant, there's like 10,000 athletes at, at nationals each okay. time. So, And you're testing in between kind of all day long. You're testing in between events. Yeah. So we hang out like in their expo area, like in their athlete village. Okay. So they might be headed off to a game or they might be coming back from a game or they might, they might have a day off in between. Um, the, the games runs for two weeks. Okay. So yeah, we're, we catch them where we can and sometimes right, right in between or they'll run off and then come back and finish. Okay. So I have to get to, before we get to the test, this is a disclaimer alert. This podcast is for informational purposes only. It does not replace any direction from a physician or healthcare professional. Any person attempting to complete the following test does so at their own risk and hereby releases the Weathered Athlete Podcast, its host, and anyone associated with the Senior Athlete Fitness Exam. Now, saying that, I can guarantee everyone listen will attempt the balance component of this test. <laughs> so as a physical therapist, I highly recommend you have supervision or position yourself in a corner or a safe location. Want to get that yeah. out of the way. <laughs> you know, that's one of my biggest fears um, working with even this population, though, is, you know, everyone wants to know what they can do to change. And even just watching what these athletes are doing on a day-to-day -day basis, um, it looks so dangerous yeah. for someone 85 years old to pole vault, right? <laughs> it looks like a medical emergency. It happens. Yeah. Well, my, my favorite event, to be honest, when I've been doing, uh, watching the running events is I make time after the running events, they do the running long jump. And so <laughs> I go over and make it a point to sit and watch the same athletes who just ran all the run events go immediately over and do the running long jump. 
And that's always interesting seeing our seniors in their 80s running and then jumping into a sand pit. And sometimes they land okay. Sometimes it's kind of a running uh, land. And sometimes they fall, but they get right back Mm -hmm. up, dust themselves off and go back to the start line and do it all over again. Yeah, you really have to recalibrate what you see, what you're seeing in front of your eyes, because you know that that's not what the typical older adult is going to be able to do or jump up from. Yeah. Yeah. But, so different. Yeah, but it's amazing. So what are the components then to to the safe? So the safe, um, we have a cardiovascular risk factor component. So um, we look at like anthropometrics, their BMI, their waist to hip ratio, their waist circumference, um, and we take their blood pressure, vitals, O2 sats, heart rate. Um, and then we look at their strength. So we do grip strength with the hand grip dynamometer. And we do the five times sit to stand. So how fast can you get out of a chair five times, um, timing that. Then we look at flexibility and we just do a spot check, right? We look at like overhead arm flexion. We look at ankle dorsiflexion, um, essentially calf length with a knee okay. straight and, and hip uh, flexibility, hip flexors. And um, then we, we look at balance. So we do single leg stance with their eyes closed. Mm. Um, and then we do it on a piece of foam so that the surface is uneven. Um, and then finally, we look at walking speed or gait speed. So we do that um, and we look at it at their usual walking pace, their fast walking pace, and then we look at the difference between the two. Okay, so they're fast walking. It is a fast walk. You're telling them not to run because you know this group is gonna wanna run. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> so um, in fact, we added the fast walking to get them to walk slower during the usual walking. Because if you tell them you're gonna time, everything's a competition. And, and so now we say, you're going to walk your normal pace. I'm going to give you a chance to walk your fastest pace. So start with your normal pace and then the fastest, as fast as you can, but no running. And we make them redo it if they run. And does that work? Yeah, that works. <laughs> Still, they're, they're usual. I think sometimes like, wow, is that how fast you walk when you're grocery shopping? But um, yeah, they're very capable. That, that's funny. Um, so my question is on the balance. So the single leg stance, what is your cutoff? How much are they able to move? Right. So we may, we're pretty strict. We don't let them shift their feet around. We don't let them squeeze their legs together. They have to have their legs not touching. Um, we have everybody uniformly with their arms crossed over their chest so that they're not like balancing with their arms. Um, the one leg is just bent up behind them. Mm-hmm. And then we cap everybody at 30 seconds because there are people there. I mean, we could be there for hours. Um, so capping it at 30 works pretty well, especially now that we just do eyes closed and foam. And then we've, we've, we've come up with a couple of cut scores that, um, you know, if they, if they can even balance for more than five seconds with their eyes closed, they're less likely to be a faller or to have falls. Um, and if they can do that on foam for more than 15 seconds, they're much less likely. And if they can do both, Okay. It drastically reduces the, the risk of being in that group that has fallen. Okay. And how many trials do you give them? Best of three. There's a okay. lot of variability in single leg standing. Yeah, you like you could sort of lose your focus, right, and tip yeah. over. So they pick their preferred leg. We give them the best of three. Like we give you every opportunity um, to show. And, and some people, you know, it's like the bar. You have to kick them out because they wanted to keep trying. <laughs> but um, three is where we stop. 
Yeah, the reason I ask is because the first time I did it, I think I'm pretty physically fit. I've done marathons. I did Ironman Chattanooga last year, and I didn't make five seconds the first time eyes closed. And uh, it, it's just interesting. It's really eye-opening to me to say, wow, this is harder than I thought because I've never done it. Well, you know, Pete, I think that that's, I think that's part of what I see as like my purpose with this population. Hmm. So they know they're doing good things right? They get up and they run. And I know they're doing good things. They're curious about their physical fitness. And we get to that balance portion sometimes. And sometimes it's other parts of the safe, but often it's at that balance where their eyes just go, well, I can't do this. Like, but do you work on it? No, I don't work on it. Well, that's why we're checking. That's why we're checking this so that you can stay in your sport safely. Like, Lots of these sports need need your balance, and you just don't realize unless you check in with it. I I can tell that mine has changed. So, yeah, yeah it's it's something we really don't attend to, and just being aware. So people come back a couple of years later and say, "I've been practicing for two years. Test me again." <laughs> and it's great to see that. Like that's the whole point. Yeah, they're they're basically overcoming the aging process by just by practice and continuing to work on it. So there's definitely benefits to that. Yeah. Huge. <laughs> Yes. You said you've switched now to a 10-point overall score. That wasn't in it before? No, and I had always avoided it because, you know, I'm a PT and I and maybe a bit of a statistician, and so I want all every single detailed number to be in there. Um, but I'm realizing that as more people want to use the safe and be scored on it, um, well, for an athlete, they want, to, they want the comparison, right? How did I do compared to somebody else? What does the score mean? And I could go through each individual item, which we do when they're there and tell them, but, but that overall score, that composite score, I think will give them a better idea of like, well, if I got a 10 out of 10, I passed everything. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm in a good place. And if I didn't, then there's something I need to work on. And where is that? So, yeah. So we did shift over. We basically have five components. You can get a zero to two in each category, and then you end up with a score of, of 10. Okay. And then you hand this to them at they're done. So they take it with them. They take it with them. It has my email address on it. It has some very basic um, information on sort of why each component is important. And then now we have some some materials, um, some standard materials we give them as well um, that go with each component, depending on how they scored. That's good. Yeah, I like the choosept.com on there as well. I think that's always important. Look for a local therapist. Right, right. And I, I think, you know, there's a lot of people that just they don't know. Right. Mm -hmm. And I say, hey, did you know Medicare will cover this and um, you can take this form to them and they will understand it. They'll right. understand why you came. OK, so they uh, you actually recommend they take it to their their therapist, to their physician, That's to their something. therapist. I've written it in a way that I really hope that they um, that everyone can understand why. Right. Good. Good. I like that. So since you've been doing it, have you come up with any norms over the years? Yeah, we've normed pretty much everything within the safe. Um, we've published a lot of it um, or presented it like at our national conference. But um, and, and some is coming out even this summer. But we, we know basically what to expect for age and gender within this population of athletes. We know sort of what that what typical is. We're still working on for every category. What does that mean exactly? Right. Okay. Um, and we're playing around now with a little bit of like individual sports, like what's a swimmer look like versus a biker okay. and that sort of thing. Yeah. 
Okay, so yeah, that's what we'll get to that in a few minutes. Is I know the screening process of what other stuff you get, um, and I think you kind of answered a lot of the stuff. Like if they fall below the norms of just making sure that you're giving them the contact to to others. Right. So, what are your some of your conclusions as you look back at the data and how these athletes compared to other community dwelling adults? I think if I could say one thing, or have my research sort of stamped with one thing, it would be to show that these individuals are functioning as if they were at least two decades younger physically, right? Um, that's how they're functioning. It doesn't mean they're never going to die, mm-hmm. right? We're all still aging. But all of our graphs, when we look, when we plot out these senior athletes next to um, the general population of community dwellers, their, uh, their lines run parallel there's still a, you know, a gradual decline over mm-hmm. time, but they just have more physical capacity. And when we match up age for age, we tend to see, you know, 80 year old athletes function a lot like a 60 year old community dwelling, older adult, sometimes even younger. Wow. Um, but you know, we just, we just wrote that in a grip strength paper that's coming out in August and I'm really excited about, and it doesn't mean like, it's not causative. This is observational research, but wouldn't it be nice to be in a group that's mm-hmm. functioning as if they're a lot younger than they are. Yeah, that's I think a goal for everyone as we as we age is one you want to be successful at it. So, um, have you been able to partner with other PT programs or clinics nationwide to gather data? Um, not so much for data gathering. A lot of people have wanted to use the safe for community outreach, um, for clinical work, and I share it for those purposes. Um, we do have probably uh, somewhere like 13 different states doing the SAFE at their state games, because every state has a state games. And um, and so PTs will go out and do that and, and make it a like a community effort. And then um, a lot of those states will save the data. So we'll eventually start to dig into that, to that data. Um, the PT programs that we partner with when we go out and do nationals, um, those PT students get a chance to experience the safe. And as if I can put a plug, when we go to Fort Lauderdale in 2021, yeah. the hope is in, in November that we'll all be you know, healthy and able to go to, to Fort Lauderdale. That's where the national games are. And um, we'll be looking for a lot of PT volunteers that can come and help with it there too. Yeah, that's great. Um, so do you need permission to use this test? Um, so... I try not to be proprietary. Mm-hmm. I my goal has been to keep the integrity of the test primarily. So right now I have like a training module hosted through USD and it's like a three hour online module where you can have all the forms and get all the instruction and it's 20 bucks. Okay. And it, that's mostly a barrier to make sure people are serious about um, the information and that they're you know, taking the time they have to test out to mm-hmm. show that they've actually paid attention to it before they use it. Um, I have in, I have researchers who've wanted to use it, and I just share it with them. Okay. Right. Um, so it's it's not something you have to buy. It's something that I want to happen all all over, and I'm hoping that people will just use it. But I also hope they use it correctly again because we're like this test is not intended for the general population. Yeah. We're having people stand on one foot with their eyes closed, right? And I want to make sure there's a gate belt on them and we're guarding them, even with senior athletes. You know, yeah. we have we catch people all the time at the balance station. So um, just like you're doing your disclaimers, you know, yeah. I want to make sure that if someone says, well, I was doing the safe, that 
I provided instruction and how that was supposed to be done and who it's supposed to be for and how you interpret those results and what sorts of things you tell those people when they're done. So um, yeah, I think the APTA is looking at um, pulling that into their continuing ed platform. So it will maybe be a little bit easier to access. It's It should be readily available. Okay, that's good. And so as far as a medical screenings, what are you allowed to do and can you gather comorbidities or medications from these individuals? Right, so everything I do with the National Senior Games is research. And so our, our athletes sign a IRB approved consent form before they interact with us at all. And so we do get their uh, medical history, just a brief medical history that we ask. And that's how we use the SAFE to figure out well, what predicts falls or what predicts bone density issue or what tells us about cardiovascular health. If we didn't collect that information, we wouldn't know uh, exactly what our test was telling us, right? Since we're, we're just observing in, a, in, a, in one moment in time. So we look at, you know, basically what have you been diagnosed with, right? From uh, across the spectrum of, you know, heart disease, diabetes, uh, those things, high cholesterol. And we ask them also what their behaviors are like, what sports they're in, what they compete in, how much time they spend in a week exercising. <clears throat> that is astronomical, by the yeah. way. Um, and you know what their preferred forms of, of exercise are. So we, we do have like a one page form that they fill out. It's not necessarily a part of the safe because you can run the safe without that. But okay. from, from a research standpoint, we do it so that when we're analyzing data, we can tell what we're what we're finding okay yeah because i know this this population they are very active and but they still do have some comorbidities (laughs) and they still are doing the things and you just my first thought when i went out there and i'm watching these individuals run sprint events and thinking as a pt okay what is going on what is their medical history do i have to worry so i'm kind of just observing everything as i do anyways as a pt but I don't want to intrude, but you're curious how many are on heart medicine and still doing the things they're doing. And as are they watching their heart rate? Are they doing the things that we as PTs would say, let's really pay attention. Yeah, I don't want to stop you from doing it, but let's pay attention to what's going on. And as your physician know you're doing this stuff. Right. <laughs> and I would say in many cases, their physician does not know. Yeah. <laughs> there isn't, there isn't any other, um, you know, the senior games doesn't have like a checklist for can you compete? Uh, I think there are a lot of misconceptions that they have that. And, and that's not, they, anybody who wants to sign up can sign up. Um, I've, I've seen and screened people with lung cancer, with, you know, COPD, who have just come back from a heart attack, who've just recovered from some major surgery, who just got their hip replaced, and they're competing. They're, if, you, if, you, if you screened out for comorbidities, no one would get to play. Yeah. Right. And, and so there are risks and, and my favorite motto, um, and I'm going to forget his name, uh, of exercise physiologist that basically said, you know, we should get a doctor's note to not exercise. Mm-hmm. It is safer to exercise and take those risks than it is to be sedentary. Yeah. far more dangerous to be sedentary. So that's the way I see it. And, and you know, we ha- there have been uh, intermittently, there have been people who have collapsed, you know, playing at, at the games. That has happened. Okay. But I'd like to think, you know, I might be okay if that's how I die. Yeah. <laughs> Racing, right? It, when I'm 86 or something like yeah. that. 
Well, I, I look at it because, you know, I do marathons and Ironman. Unfortunately, they've had some people die during events. So it, it's a risk that we all take no matter what we do. Uh, so I think going into it, as long as we all are aware of that risk, then I don't think it's going to stop anybody from participating, which is a good thing because uh, I think the benefits greatly outweigh the negatives of sitting on your couch and not doing anything. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, part of what we do with the safe, you know, improves that awareness too. So if I say, hey, you're at risk of cardiovascular disease here and you're a runner, you're doing this, like you should work on this, you know, work on this component or, hey, you have, you're not very flexible. You're probably going to tear something. Let's, maybe you should work on this so that you're safer while you're doing your sport and you can stay in it longer. Right. So, you know, we can help, but I definitely, I, I think sitting, sitting on the couch is more risky. Yeah, I agree. I think that's great. Uh, so how often do you consult or have contact with the NSGA? Um, so pretty regularly. Um, Andrew Walker is our director of health and wellness. And I would say we probably talk at least once a month and just chat about um, health and wellness initiatives. And, you know, he'll bounce ideas off me um, as maybe their token, uh, a, a token healthcare provider um, who might have some insight. I go to their annual meetings and I present updates of what we're finding. We're always finding some new detail about athletes or a given sport and they're interested in that. We pass that along to the athletes. Um, yeah, there's a newsletter that they have monthly and I contribute to that at times. And sometimes I pass that off to friends in PT who are, who are writing for that newsletter. So there's, um, some good ways to kind of reach out to the population that way. So we interact quite a bit. They've been very, um, very open to working with me, which has been nice. And I think part of that is I've been around for a long time with them. Good. Yeah. That's good. So how is uh, navigating COVID-19 going to change how you do testing? And Yeah, unfortunately, it will change it drastically. And, you know, I'm fingers crossed. I'm, I'm thankful that the national games doesn't happen until November of 2021. So yeah. I'm optimistic that we'll be able to do that. Um, as far as like the state games where I would normally go out and do South Dakota testing, I've already let them know that I won't be coming. I don't even think they've decided if they're going to host their games. Uh, a lot of games have been canceled. The The senior games has been really great about um, sort of opening up the um, qualifying criteria a little bit so that if you qualified last year, um, even though it was a non-qualifying year, you could make it. I, 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 don't quote me on the rules, yeah. Yeah. Um, but they have changed some of the rules so that it's a little bit easier to qualify since a lot of qualifying games. This would have been a busy state games year for qualifications. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's it's a rough year for, for everything. Yeah, I know. We just, act, I think, officially have canceled ours. We kept putting the run events off because we were supposed to do it in May. And, and then, okay, we'll try June and then July. And I think I just got an email this morning that they're just going to, I think, scrap it for this year. So I think now, I don't. yeah, it's going to be interesting moving forward because you're right. Every other year, when it's a qualifying year, the numbers are definitely increased. Um, yeah. So, and then how have you, have you talked to any athletes that have been, that you've worked with in the past? How are they dealing with things? Yeah, I've talked to just a few, mostly South Dakota senior games athletes. Um, it's diverse, right? Some are um, staying in, some are like, you know, going crazy and go out, but just go out, you know, carefully, social distant, you know, running or whatnot. Um, I I think everybody's sort of managing it in their, you know, where their comfort level is. Um, I, I 
my mom's a senior athlete <laughs> and I'm trying to keep her from, um, you know, making unsafe decisions, but I still want her to stay active. Um, so yeah, I think a lot of stuff has gone virtual. The NSGA has done a really nice job of putting lots of videos out and like video tips and video, you know, exercise videos and things to keep people motivated and inspired. But it's just going to be a rough year. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a challenge for just about everybody. I think we'll we'll make it through and I think the ones that are going to succeed are the ones that can find that that motivation just to continue to stay focused and put in the time because it's easy to just to to just stop. I don't care what age you are. It's mm-hmm. been easy to just say oh, there's nothing there. Okay, I'm not going to do anything today. And I think this age group or these senior athletes are pretty motivated anyway. So they, I think they'll survive, but it's the other ones that I kind of worry that are on the fringe that they're not going to continue to do things. Um, right. So it, I'm in North Carolina and when we do our event in, in April and May, it could be 30 degrees. It could be 80 degrees at the time of our running events. So I'm trying to do some that PT and me is maybe talking about changing their warm up, making sure they're active because we tend to see the most injuries on those cold days because they're just not warming up enough. Or if it happens on the warm days, they feel they're warm already and they just get out there and try to go as hard as they can. Are you able to give them some pre-activity instruction or is that kind of what you're doing with talking about their flexibility and their strength? Yeah, I mean, to the extent that we can reach a lot of people, um, we made we made five different handouts, a task force through APTA Geriatrics got together some good brains and um, we created these handouts that are definitely geared more to the senior athlete and and look at things like that, like dynamic stretching instead of just static stretching, dynamic warm ups and um, doing strength training, but maybe a little power training, things that would help prevent injuries and help Mm -hmm. people realize like, why are these components, even if you haven't done the safe, right? Why are these individual components important and how can they help you be a better athlete and like be safe, be more safe um, than, than you might currently be. So um, yeah, that information is, is on some handouts that we've got out on the NSGA webpage. Um, We've got them out on APTA geriatrics webpage as well. And we try to share them freely so that, uh, you know, athletes and when we communicate with them directly, it's probably the best way. Okay, that's good. So what do you see as some of the secrets to success with these athletes? I think just saying yes to anything. This is this is my, um, I think that's the biggest secret is that they, they keep participating, mm-hmm. right? They've said yes to running, to pole vaulting, to trying something new. Um, that's been probably the biggest thing that I've learned from them it is, as a marching band <laughs> um, expert, right? Um, it, in my adulthood, I have learned to pick up um, volleyball. I picked up swimming. I picked up um, a, lot of, um, a lot of activities that I would normally have said, well, maybe I'm a little too old or I could get injured. And they're just, they're really optimistic. They're willing to keep moving. And I think that's the most important thing. It's not necessarily that they're winning or that they're, you know, the best at what they're doing, but just that they're doing anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's important. As a side note, I had my interview with uh, Charlie Plaskin on Monday and I don't know if you know anything about him. He's 77 year old blind triathlete. He started running at 55 and yes. just and he said he's still here in the in the interview he just picked it up because he saw people running around the track and thought it was ridiculous and he's like well let me give it a try 
And next thing you know, he's now a nine-time Ironman finisher at 76. And it's I love that attitude from this from this age group. There, there's nothing that's going to stop them, and they're going to continue to just move forward. And you know what everybody else says? Really? You you, you want to do what? And so I, I love that. Now you said something about you've done a small motivation study. What have you found? Yeah, that? we did this uh, uh, maybe three years ago now. It was a, like an honors thesis um, project. But um, we, we looked at basically intrinsic and extrinsic motivation and like what drives the athlete, um, the senior athlete specifically. And what was really interesting is that we found that up until probably about age 75, athletes are really intrinsically motivated. Like they're driven to, um, to participate because they know it's good for them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then around age 75 in the older demographic of senior athletes, the the need for more en- extrinsic motivation becomes apparent. And, you know, that was just a very basic finding. It was a small study of about 500 athletes. But what I thought was interesting is that's kind of the same line we cross where physical um, capacity starts to either plateau or start to decline, despite like the training that we do. So, you know, we as, as a senior athlete, you know, you're going to have a have more vitality, more physical capacity, age better, more successfully. But at some point, you're still going to age, right? And there's still an end. <laughs> and and so when you get to that point where things are sort of plateauing or declining, despite your training, it can be discouraging, I think. And I wonder, you know, that's this is my sort of interpretation of the study, but I wonder if that's why more extrinsic motivation is needed because you're not getting sort of that feedback from your body mm-hmm. that you want or that you're used to and um so winning a race and getting a medal yeah. might be really motivating <laughs> and senior games man they give some nice like big yeah. <laughs> old medals when you win um so i honestly that would keep me rolling so yeah yeah i think i we talked before about that 89 year old runner we have here in in greensboro that also does tennis and he is every year he's got the biggest smile on his face when these games come around it it definitely is i think that it's that carrot that's out there you know they're going to do it anyways you're right but that extra little motivation to know that they went off and they beat other people their age and he was thrilled this year that he was going to be the baby at 90. I'm not, not sure what competition he thinks he was going to get at 90, but um, I just love it. I think there was a competition <laughs> last year with three athletes over the age of 100, uh, right? So still, like, I'm 100 and I showed up running and I'm not going to get gold necessarily, <laughs> right? Um, that's crazy. But, yeah, in, in senior games, it's good to age up because yeah. your, your, your chances might be a little bit better. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm holding. I'm in that mind. I'm just going to hold out as long as I possibly can, and eventually it'll happen. <laughs> like someday I'd be like, yes, it didn't happen when I was a junior in high school, but now I got it. Yeah, if I wait 30 years, just imagine what I could do. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, so I think you answered this, but I'm going to ask you again. Uh, do you have any personal mantras or sayings that you use to motivate yourself? Oh, yeah. So maybe I answered that question too yeah. fast, but like, yeah. yeah. So I think mine's just, yeah, just just say yes. Just just. um be engaged in what's available. So like right now it's COVID. I, I like to swim. Mm-hmm. I can't go out to the pool and um, yeah, I can't go to the gym. So we got badminton for our kids and, you know, I'm sitting on the porch and the kids say, you want to play badminton? 
and you go, I'm sitting here and it's so comfortable and I'm in the shade and the fans on, but yep. Yeah. I'm going to come play badminton. You want to go jump on the trampoline? Like, okay, I'll come jump on the trampoline. Right. And my, my students talked me into playing, playing rec volleyball, intramural volleyball several years ago. And, um, that was one of those moments where I was like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to play volleyball. I hate volleyball. I'm scared yeah. of the ball. And, um, and they're like, oh, come on, Dr. Georgia, you got to play volleyball with us. And I, you know, in the back of my head is like all the senior games research, like yeah. how healthy they are and how vital they are and how great it is to just to do different things and stay moving. Um, so they're in the back of my head, right? And volleyball is my new favorite sport. So yeah. that's great. Yeah. So what do you see yourself doing in 30 years? In me in 30 years. So I'll be in my 70s. Um, I hope that my volleyball team has <laughs> just gotten a little bit better. <laughs> Right. We're pushing, you know, our oldest players turning 50 this year. So hopefully by then, like we've all gotten in, into it. We've done enough that maybe we're cohesive enough and, and that we could win a game or two. <laughs> I, I really hope I, I always try to wonder what I will play because I will be in the games. But like, yeah. what can I play well enough Yeah. Um, to, to, to compete? <laughs> something. I want to be in something. Um, yeah. Maybe swimming, maybe triathlon. But I hope that I'm still playful and and playing yeah that that's so important so what steps will you take to prevent injuries to allow you to accomplish that hmm. um well i feel like i'm doing that right now yeah uh, with with being um you know i'm stuck at home and i can't go to the gym so i can't lift weights and so we've had to change and like be really mindful of like hey it's still important that we stay strong and flexible so doing yoga and pilates okay. in my attic okay <laughs> and um trying to you know every day make it make habits and routines that are sustainable i think those you know that's you can't wait for tomorrow you can't wait for when it's convenient because we're always busy and we're always um we always have other things uh, you know or the environment oh there's covid or there's this but like there's always excuses but really you just have to keep keep moving so that you can keep moving like you know yeah that's good and then lastly, I want you to finish this sentence. My miles are four. More miles. Good. That's just more miles, better miles. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's good. I like it. <laughs> so you can keep on keeping on. I like to tell the athletes, you know, this is so you can stay in the game. And I, I want to stay in the game and I want them to stay in the game. So that's what all of it's for that's good actually one other question i had is so your students what are what are their perceptions of this of this age group and the things that people can do they they start out just like i did because i describe what we're doing before we go do it and they're like yeah yeah blah blah dr georgie says we're going to do some old people screening (laughs) and then we get there and they're like, did you see this? Did you see this? Did you see this? Oh, my gosh. Look at this guy. Oh, oh look at this. And they're so inspired. And it makes me so happy. I, I had yeah. one student one year who put all the pieces together. We had had class. You know, I teach geriatrics class. And then we went and did like a fall prevention screen in a senior center. And then we went to senior games. And he goes, wow, the difference. The difference from the community to senior games and and what's possible and i make them all promise that they will do senior games when they're 50 good 
I don't know if I believe them all. But yeah. <laughs> I think it, I have I have changed. I hope I have changed their attitude, and I hope there's less you know age discrimination, yeah. um, more more ability to see like what's possible if you really say, "Come on, we can do that. You can do these stairs." And yeah. Just keep going. Yeah, it's such a. That's why I love being a PT. I, it, I'm now I've trans transitioned from outpatient to home health. And so I'm just kind of in a different area, but I love the attitudes of these patients and the ones that are in the 80 and 90 plus, that just they're still to this day, how excited they are about the things they can do. I prefer to treat them over some of my 60 year olds, I hate to say that, um, who basically have every excuse why they're not going to be able to make it to 70 and everything else. But it, it's just a, it's an awesome group to work with and it's probably the best part of my day and kind of still excites me and gets me motivated to say, wow, they're motivated to walk around their house two or three times and they're in their 90s and I'm just too tired today. Now I need to go do something. I need to exercise. And so it's been great. Yeah, I would well, agree. I can't thank you enough for spending time with me and kind of going through how you've been helping these athletes and what you're going to do. So you have a great day. It was great meeting you. Yeah, it was great to meet you too. Have a, have a good rest of your day. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and were able to get some insight into the amazing things our senior athletes are able to do and how this weathering athlete and future senior games participant is planning on using her testing results and experience with our senior athletes to stay active. Her creation of the senior athlete fitness exam while providing the rest of us the ability to see a snapshot into the amazing fitness levels of this population compared to community dwelling adults. It also has the benefit to identify any weaknesses these individuals may have for them to work on to help them stay into the game. Her just say yes mindset is a great example of what is possible when you take a chance to step outside of your comfort zone. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. Please don't forget to hit subscribe to this podcast. Leave me a comment or drop me a line if you feel you have what it takes to enter the Weathered Athlete Podcast. Lastly, no matter how you complete your miles, use the following hashtag, my miles are four, as a way to reinforce the purpose of those miles. As always, my miles are for the journey. Keep progressing.